Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. for joining us tonight. Stacy is here with me. So (laughs) I'm happy about that. It's always great and better with uh, my partner here at our side. And tonight's going to be a great night, John. This is going to be a good, good evening. We've uh, we've been in the book of judges now for what, a week or two? Anything's got to be better than that. (laughs) It has just been very difficult. And we've I, I don't know. Maybe we're unfair to this book. Of the, there's a reason it's in the Bible, <laughs> and we've got to celebrate it, and we've got to realize that it's it's that it is beautiful and great and helpful, and and we do learn from it. Uh, but it is, in some ways, it's a sad book. It's hard. It's, it's hard. just a, what what, um, what do you find hard about it? What is it kind of when? Well, it's very, uh, I mean, it, when you think kind of dark and just darkness and uh, it's very, it's very dark and it's topics that are really harsh and rough and the the, the bad side of humanity. It's That's it, the ugliness the of ugliness. humanity. Yeah, I, I think, like that, the it, ugliness of humanity. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it starts off, I think one of the problems with the book of Judges in in as we read it, is that it starts off with such hope. You've got Joshua leading them into right. yeah. the into Canaan, the mm-hmm. Promised Land, and the the conquest. Of, and and so now the people, the the uh, manna stops, mm-hmm. and the and the, and the quail that yeah. they the provision of God right. for four, all those forty years that they've been eating, you know, the manna and the quail, and God's been providing for them and. That stops now that they're in the land of milk and honey and they're yeah. raising their own crops and they're living in their own houses, not living in tents anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, so there's you see, it's such a wonderful moment of opportunity. And and they go in and they get a chance to to fulfill the calling of God on them as a people. <laughs> uh, and and um, and they start off strong, you know, under as long as Joshua was their leader, they they obeyed God. They trusted God. They, they they were in a time of warfare, so it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. You know, they had it was difficult, but but they did it. And then they didn't finish the job. They mm-hmm. didn't. Uh, I, I guess it's that generational thing again, in a way. You know, after those twenty five or thirty years, another generation is coming up, and and they just proved to be untrue and unfaithful to. When the land, when the people go to their different allotments of land, that tribe of Dan and Asher and Issachar and so on, they they didn't they didn't each of them didn't finish cleaning out and, and conquering their part of the of the uh, of the promised land. And, and and of course, and then it just spirals down and down and down. And they and it keeps getting. 
I, part of it's the ugliness of it, but part of it to me too is when I begin to identify with it, I realize, hey, I'm just like them. Oh yeah. I mess up. I make terrible mistakes. I, right. you know, pride, anger, greed, all of those things. They come out. They raise their ugly head in my life as well, and and we realize that you know we just. It's it, it, we we can't do it. So I think I think that's an important thing to do when you read the book of Judges is not just go, oh man, those those people, right. those those Israelites, they were just so oh, I can't believe how terrible they were, you know. And yeah, we are a little bit. I can't believe, I can't believe. But if you think about it a little deeper, you can believe. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's also um, the other thing that's neat just about the book of Judges is that it is in the scriptures. Yeah, you, you would know, think they would not they, want to. You would th- exactly. If you're writing your your story or if you're putting your history of as a people, um, you would want to leave out some of that stuff. Or but, change it or a little cha- bit, yeah. make us look a little bit better. Right. But, but wow. it, they don't. They no. uh, um, they're honest and and true, and that's and I I think that that's. Um, that's encouraging just in terms of the truthfulness of the, the historicity of the book and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the people. And then also that they acknowledge their own weaknesses and have come around to a yeah. place of, hey, it is not about us clearly. This is about our our God. Yeah. This is about who he is. Well, they, we they go through just to summarize. And by the way, this is the Bible live. So you can go to thebiblelive.com. I go to our website every weeknight, Monday through Friday, every weekday, weeknight. You can go, and there is a 15 to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures. We read through the entire Bible every year. So if you've always wanted to go through the Bible, you've always wanted to read the entire Bible, join with us. Come along with us on this journey. Every year, for 20 years now, this is our 20th year, we've been going through the Scriptures and we are now in the book of Judges, and we finished it up this last week. We read the beautiful little book of Ruth. We'll talk more about that. And then after Ruth, in one reading, we moved on Wednesday to the New Testament book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third gospel, the third book of the New Testament. So we're going to cover that tonight. We're going to finish up our consideration of the time of the Judges uh, and we're in those last chapters, 18 through 21, and really it is kind of the the low point. It's just this ugly, ugly this experience. Uh, one of the tribes of Israel, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, is almost totally wiped out yeah. by the others. Uh, and and it's, it, it's, it's just an ugly, ugly chapter uh, of war and, and difficulty and failure. Now, there are glimmers of light. There, there's always Deborah and, and Gideon wasn't totally, I mean, you know, he, he was a little, totally he wanted, awful. yeah, he wanted God to prove it that, you know, I, I want to know that you're the one calling me yeah. and you're doing that. Then I'll follow it. And he did. And that was a wonderful evidence of God. And then we have uh, Samson, which was ugly and, and pitiful and a little, you know, it, it's, it's a story of. In all of these cases, in some ways, it was almost a story of of unfulfilled potential. Yeah. I mean, the, all, you think of all the potential that Samson had. The, God was with him, and God gave him this strength and this capability and, and, and to waste it. 
uh, you know, that's that's something that touches me a lot as, as a little orphan kid. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to be too autobiographical about any of this, but it is that is something that's always been on me. I've always wanted to fulfill my potential to to, you know, to do uh Ever since I was, you know, small, came to faith in Christ when I was seven or eight years old, and I had that sense of destiny that, that God gave me that I'm with you. I'm you're my child. I've got you in my hand, and so I've, somehow I got that early on that I I wanted to please God. I wanted to see what God could do uh, in and through and with me, and and that's that's always been, and so I'm kind of sensitive to that point. And when you see someone like. Samson, who had all this potential and all this giftedness, and 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 then not to not to be able to experience it, but in the end, he, he trusted God, and yeah. God used him, and he won a great victory and delivered his people from the from the Philistines mm-hmm. for for a long period of time. So, anyway, we've got that three hundred three hundred twenty five year period that we that it's kind of ugly and difficult, and it ends up with this. A uh, terrible crime that was committed in the town of Gebeah, uh, in this rape and murder of this concubine of a traveling Levite, uh, which it, which right there, yeah, right there, yeah. Levite. I mean, it's not what only the failure, not only the failure of the judges, but the failure of the priests. You know, yes. every everything fails. They, they just yeah. it makes you happy about something you've often mentioned is that. When God made this covenant with Abraham way back right. in the book of Genesis, God made a covenant in in in, in the spiritual dimension, particularly with Himself. Yeah. He He was the if it if it in any way, shape, or form de- depended on people uh-huh. on us, we'd all be lost. There's no way. Mm-hmm. But God keeps His promise, and He. Brought about. Uh, he keeps his promise, and he keeps our promise for yeah, us. It keeps our promise for <laughs> us, and uh, and it's all wrapped up in this person called the Messiah, this Redeemer, this Savior, and that's where we come into in the middle of all this ugliness yeah. uh, of uh, Gebeah and this terrible crime at the end of the Book of Judges. That, that there's civil war, and, and 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 the tribe of Benjamin is almost all. They are all killed except 600 men. Mm-hmm. Only 600 men left in the entire tribe of Benjamin. And wasn't Paul, isn't Paul? Yeah, the Saul, the first Saul. king, comes from the tribe Benjamin, of Benjamin. Benjamin yeah. And then Paul was uh, from the tribe, the apostle Paul, from the tribe of Benjamin. Very interesting. Of course, Benjamin was the only tribe blood brother of, of Joseph. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so uh, we remember that. So... Uh, and the theme of the book of Judges is found throughout the book. It's listed several times, chapter 17, verse 6. And the last verse in the whole book of Judges says, There was no king, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. Uh, so that that was the idea. Uh, th- there is something else we could talk about just quickly if we wanted to, Stace, about the book of Judges. Uh, although we're going to turn the page on the judges now, and even in this terrible, ugly time of failure and and and, and um, you know bondage and del- remember the seven cycles that they went through uh, when they would rebel against God and disobey, then they'd experience God's judgment, the consequences of their sin, and then they would call out to God, and then God would send a redeemer, say um, a hero, a judge that would. <laughs> 
deliver them, and then they would restore them for 40 years or 100 years or 60 years. You brought peace and restoration, right. and then they'd fall back into that. So they had, and this is on the na- this is on the the macro yeah. kind of level. This is the nation, the nation happening. as a whole, and it's seven cycles mm-hmm. that goes over in this three hundred and fifty year period, and uh, and and God takes them through it. And, and there's a lot we can learn from it, no doubt about it. God's faithfulness is the great message that comes through. But right in the midst of this ugly, difficult period of time, we have this this sweet little four chapters this short little story of this woman named Naomi and her Moabite daughter-in-law Ruth and so we're going to get into that as well tonight uh, as quickly as we can and talk about the importance of the book of Ruth because uh, all through this now we had never remember what I said earlier about we, any story in the Bible, any page you want to turn to and read, you can see four different levels of understanding. One is just the boots on the ground, immediate, right here, this immediate situation, the people involved, what was happening in their lives, what was going on, the what's, what can we learn from their experience in that moment, in that situation? What can we learn from Samson? What can we learn from Gideon or from Deborah? Uh, and about what God was doing in them and with them in that moment. So that's that's important. And then you've got the little bit higher picture. Let's say you go up to an airplane kind of vision, and you get the picture of what God is doing, not only in them individually, but we get to see that God is also active in them and with them. And in that moment, he's doing something for the nation, He for his people there. He's um, he's developing them, and remember, part of the plan of God is not only our, not only our justification, not just forgiving our sin and and getting us to heaven, but also the transformation of our lives. That sanctification process is part of the redemptive process, and that's important too. So God is working there, and we see how the individual daily activities how they have repercussions, they have consequences in our overall formation and in the whole nation, in the in the history of, you know, the people of Israel and, and so on. And then you can go up to the satellite position of the whole big redemptive plan and you can see, and we you can see what God is doing, not only in the immediate boots on the ground, not only in the context of, of what he's doing in that moment in the nation, but what he's doing in the world. The, how we there's a redemptive process, and it, and it all. The wonderful thing is that God is doing all of those three things at the same time, and there's never a conflict, never any contradiction between one and the other. Mm-hmm. He remains faithful to Himself and His promises and His Word at every level, mm-hmm. and, and we get a chance to see that here in the little book of Ruth. We need we need, read, read this precious story. This woman Naomi. Loses her husband, her two. She has two sons. They marry. They both die, and so it's just her. They, they had. There's a famine in the land, so they have to leave Bethlehem, and they sold their land, and they have to go over into Moab, and and then, and then, they. She says, "Let's go back." You know, life is so hopeless and difficult for them. You know, women widow women in, in that world of that time and so ruth says don't 
Don't ask me to leave you from leave off from following you. Where you. Whether you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And that beautiful verse of passage of friendship and loyalty that this young girl, Moabitess, she follows after Ruth, uh, Naomi, and she follows Naomi's God. And they go back to Bethlehem, and uh, they're they're reduced to poverty. They're out gleaning uh, crops, you know, kind of living as beggars. Ruth is going out and gathering a basket of of uh, grain each day, and so on. And 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 then God moves in their situation. We'll talk about it uh, in a moment. We'll talk more fully about the Book of Ruth. For sure. Anything else though about judges before we leave it as a theme? Well, I was I was going to say you know that theme then um, of people did what was right in their own eyes. It reminds me um, very. I mean, it's very similar to kind of a hellish um, place. A, a there's no central um, right central idea. There's no central truth. There's no um, nothing to connect, nothing to, and it and it just kind a of, million egos, each one trying to lord yeah, over the ego next to it, right. <laughs> and kind of that selfishness and that isolation. You know, when you're doing what's right in your own eyes, it would be the equivalent of you know a symphony, but everybody's playing whatever note they want to play, and there's no. They're there's trying no, to get everybody to sure, play with me, play with my me. little, you know. Mm-hmm. And but but you if you're not that so you're it's a very isolated it's a very isolating um, way of living, um, and it also you know communication breaks down because you're not speaking the same everybody's speaking whatever language you know they want to language quote unquote, um, and I guess it just reminds me of you know like Lewis's and the Great Divorce you know it reminds me of that very hellish kind of idea of that hellish way of living uh-huh. where you're isolated from and that also reminds me i mean that smack dab what ruth that's the position in which ruth and naomi found themselves and it shows the danger helpless and, and hopeless in, yes, that, in and, that kind of a and, setting and yeah. isolated i mean uh-huh. it reminds me of what i mean well ultimately what death is death is isolation from other people you die alone you're um you're and and what sin ultimately leads to which is isolation and death and so it it just is an interesting and in the middle of that the whole even story of ruth is bringing her out of a position of being isolated and removed and hopeless hopeless and helpless and and poor and and bringing into family and connection and no longer is it just what's right in my own eyes but it's consideration of other people and it's kind of the beginning of and it's just the juxtaposition between a life of of selfishness and ultimately what leads to death versus the life in Christ and the life in family and the life in kinsman redeemer back, position yeah, back. where you have hope mm-hmm. and you have life and flourishing and connection Re- restored and to our purpose and yeah. to restored to our, our identification right. with our creator and with God, with mm-hmm. God's people, and creation yeah, all of us, and all of it. And That's a very good concept. Yeah. And I, 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 I kind of, sometimes I, I forget about that idea of identification that they were brought back and restored back they had lost their land they had lost their inheritance they had lost mm-hmm. all of their their connection with mm-hmm. with 
with God's people there. And uh, and then God uses, and we're going to talk about this more in depth, God uses this, this biblical concept. We've already mentioned it a number of times back when we read Leviticus and so on, the, this idea of a kinsman redeemer. Uh, and we've talked about how that if if someone uh, if a woman you know her husband dies and she's disconnected from the family and all that that the husband's brother was in to take her under his wing and into the family and raise up children for her that they could continue connected to the people and to the family to the people of God and and this this whole concept of a kinsman redeemer which is so prevalent all through the Hebrew scriptures, not only for uh, no, you know, not only for widow ladies, but for uh, for land. You, if you lost your land, remember Jeremiah uh, lost his land, and and he had to go, and he was called upon to go and redeem a property, uh, a piece of property that, that was, in fact, is was hopeless. It was behind enemy lines, uh-huh. right. and he went and purchased and redeemed it, but because he was the nearest of kin. And he he had the right to be the first to be able to purchase and restore that land to to his family to his people, and uh, so it, it was about people. It was about uh, children and the idea of being a part of the yeah. the the people of God. There it was about land. It was about justice. Uh, justice even mm-hmm. the whole idea is it, the kinsman redeemer was one who got justice on behalf. If there was a murder and someone. The kinsman redeemer would be the one who would go and get justice for the for the crime committed mm-hmm. against his people or against mm-hmm. uh, his family. So this kinsman redeemer redeemer concept is central to the book of Ruth, and, and we'll look at that when we come back as well. Mm-hmm. It's almost time for our break, but I do want to I do want to emphasize once more uh, our website thebiblelive dot com and encourage you to to go there. Monday, uh, uh, every weeknight at, at midnight, you, it starts the reading for that day. If you go to thebiblelive.com, right there on that first page, you'll see uh, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you'll see the, the, the reading for that day. In your car, in your workplace, or wherever, wherever you have a few minutes, you can switch it on and you can hear a good, clear, beautiful, flawless reading from the Scriptures and we'll, we move right through the entire Bible, all 66 books every year. And um, you, I know you'll enjoy it. It'll be a tremendous blessing to you. And um, maybe you can go through it together. We, I know another, I know families that go read it together, people that read it, uh, even just individual. But the, if you have a Sunday school group, if you have a, a Bible study group that you'd like everyone to listen to it on their own, and then maybe get together and discuss it together or join us on Sunday nights here. And as we discuss it, you can give us a call as well and be a part of hear the Bible live broadcast this evening. So uh, that's what we're trying to do is kind of help us all to get back to the scriptures, back to God's word and listening and learning and growing together. Now, if you want to call us tonight, you can be a part of the program 210-340-9585, 210 9585. That's our call in line here on the Bible Live broadcast. And uh, we'll start uh, moving to, we've, we've finished up a little bit our consideration of judges and the, that, the darkness of that particular era of time and the things that we learned from it. Now, when we come back to 
uh, the Old Testament after we finish in the Gospel of Luke. We'll pick up there now as the people will move into the time of the kings. Instead of uh, the judges and, and the uh, priests, we'll move into the times of the kings and the prophets. Samuel will be our transition personality, a transition person. Uh, first and second Samuel, these are in the books of the history. And we'll pick up with the first king of Israel, Saul, and then uh, David, and then David's son Solomon. And then we'll just follow on now into the books of first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. And we'll go through the time of the kings, this period of, uh, of about 600 years where uh, kings in, in the north and then the kingdom divides and kingdom in, this, in the northern tribes and kings over the southern tribes. And we'll get into that. But um, that's where we're headed. But we're going to pause a refreshing pause this evening and consider this uh, story of Ruth, uh, the little book of Ruth. And then we'll go and pick up the first eight chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Again, our phone number is 210-340-9585, and we want you to feel free, join with us. And and I do have a question of, uh, about the uh, the book of Ruth and about the kinsman redeemer. We Something we have asked ourselves, Stacy and I, When where in the New Testament... Do we see in the New Testament now, and clearly it's a, a concept of, of the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, where in the New Testament is the the concept of the kinsman redeemer? Where do we see that come out? If you can help us out there and give an example from the New Testament where it is referenced or where it is uh, shown to us, uh, the concept uh, uh, as Jesus the Messiah and his fulfilling the role of our kinsman redeemer. We'd love to hear from you tonight. 210-340-9585. Don't go away now. We're going to take a brief break and we'll come back with our consideration of the book of Ruth. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. The Canaanites and lived according to their own plans. So, of course, the surrounding nations lured them into sin. God in his perfect patience saved them over and over again. God raised up judges to save the day, to conquer the evil that stood in their way. And judges to make things right, uphold justice, fight the good fight. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Judge Othniel, Caleb's younger brother, Judge Israel, 40 years. He fought against a king named Cush and Richard Theme, and God's spirit calmed all his fears. 
Well, I'll be down there. Where did you find that, John? Right. It's going to the judges. John. The internet is vast and wide. (laughs) So you found it. Well, we are back. That is a song about the judges. And how many of them are there? How many judges are there? Oh, God, I've heard this before. Gosh. You know this. You know this. Was it just in the lyrics? I think uh, there were how many how many apostles were there? How many tribes of Israel are there? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Twelve. Twelve is the magic number. Twelve, twelve disciples, twelve apostles, and twelve, twelve judges. judges. Okay, okay. Eleven men and twelve, one woman. Twelve months in the year. There we go. And then, tie, you know. Yeah, remember Just the number for another 12. 12. <laughs> there you go. Well, we are back. This is the Bible Live, and we've just kind of finished up our consideration of this this really dark period of time called the period of the judges. It's a lot to be learned from it, a lot that we can celebrate, a lot that we can a positive. I, we're not trying to be totally negative. There's a reason it's in the scriptures, but it, overall, if you read it, uh, it, it, it just... It's just really the weakness and the failure of human beings. But one thing constantly is the faithfulness and the power of God to work, even in the midst of our difficulties, our struggles. And that's what we come to now with this little book of Ruth, because it takes place in the midst of all that chaos and all that failure and all that difficulty and confusion. The little book of Ruth takes place in that same period of time. And I think, too, it's an interesting, I mean, just as far as nations and judges and, I mean, think of us today and, um, and oh boy, <laughs> as, as well-intended and as heroic as a judge can be and as, as good as, as judgment and the law can be when the people aren't, aren't united and obeying (laughs) under their own by their own conscience and because they're choosing um there's only so much that judging can do and that might be just a little bit of a note for you know for a land that has gotten too dependent on on humans broken humans to be their judge and to tell them what's right and wrong as opposed to a god to god um it can it can devolve pretty quickly and I, I guess I just say that because, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on our Supreme Court justices. Oh, and our, our leaders, our, oh, <laughs> our president. And, and, and it's not that those aren't important. Right. A, a, a good, godly, Absolutely. faithful, strong leader can be, make a big difference. Right. Yes. But ultimately, it, it, uh, it, it's the people. The people uh-huh. you know, Which is, again, why this story of Ruth is so sweet. While all of this is happening, there are... There's Boaz, and there's little Ruth, and there's Naomi just well, going tell, about tell the story. <laughs> tell the story of Ruth. I'll just kind of lay the foundation okay. of the simple right. background story. Right, and I story. think you did a little bit. So uh-huh. um, Naomi has three sons. Um, and and Na- Naomi's name, Naomi means... Um, Naomi means something. Uh, she changes it to Mara. Uh, to Mara, and it means... Uh, her name means pleasant. Naomi means pleasant. Yeah, Aww. and then she says in chapter 1, after all of this terrible thing yes. she goes through, my name should be Mara, bitter. And so a little bit of a picture of it. Yeah. But go ahead. I, well, and it's true. So tragedy just really hits. And Naomi's family and her husband and every pretty much just gets wiped out with disease and 
um, old age, and um, but one of her sons had been married to Ruth, mm-hmm. and so Ruth is left a widow. But they left they left Bethlehem. Uh-huh. They sold the land they had that she and her husband uh, had, and I I'm guessing they were from the tribe of Judah. Okay. Um, because Bethlehem is in Judah, Judah. and and they and so they. They move over a famine, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because so many things in the Bible take place because of famines. Mm-hmm. Remember, jo- uh, Jacob went mm-hmm. down into Egypt. Uh, Joseph went down to, to save Jacob and the family from famine. Mm-hmm. I mean, these these things happen and floods and famines and and diseases and so on. <laughs> but so they go over into Moab to try to uh, you know find hope and. Uh, a new beginning her sons her husband dies Naomi's husband dies her two sons marry Mm -hmm. Moabite girls but then the two sons die Mm -hmm. so here now you've got these three widow women living outside of their own land as you said disconnected and and so they return somehow they find and but she tells the girls to stay Go ahead and stay. You've got yeah. your families here. Stay with them. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the the other, one of the girls does, but Ruth says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to, yeah. uh, you know, she loves her mother-in-law mm-hmm. and she loves her mother, the God of her mother-in-law. Your people will be my people. Your God mm-hmm. is going to be my God. And so they come back to, to Bethlehem together mm-hmm. uh, to live essentially a life on the streets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're begging. They're right. Living like beggars, you know, gleaning from the land that, mm-hmm. remember that thing of gleaning that we, we've talked about uh, that was part of the book of Leviticus. And so here they are, and then this thing happens. You want to take mm-hmm. it, they come back to, yes. back in Bethlehem. Yeah, and so Ruth, I think it's Ruth's idea to go um, into the into Boaz's um, threshing floor and to glean from the his field uh, yeah. his field and so that kind of, that gives them at least some food and i think does boaz recognize well and then boaz is kind yeah, to her is does kind to recognize her. her hard work her love for her um mother-in-law and, and tells you, get, the you people, get a little bit of sense that there might have been a little romance there. They thought, well, oh, or at the very least, girl, kindness you know, or something. I, just kindness. I, I mean, like, yeah. he. I think. I don't know. You're right. Maybe, but I. I get the sense that he just recognized she's working hard. She doesn't have any yeah. ties, no family except for her mother-in-law, and and she's a Moabite in the yeah. middle of um, you know the Jewish people. Yeah, and, and he must see he protects her. And now he's kin. Boaz is not kin at all to Ruth, right? But he is kin. Uh, has a family relationship to Naomi in some way to Naomi. Yes, a little more distant, not immediate, but mm-hmm. and but, so, Naomi, so that must have been in his mind mm-hmm. a little bit. And so Naomi knows this and sees this, and Naomi comes up with the idea of, well, you should approach him. <laughs> you mm-hmm. should. He. We're related. You should. Ask him uh, if he'll take you and and if he'll marry you, and so she says, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> and she doesn't this. go and ask him. It's a right. little bit symbolic, yes. a, a ritual a ritual gesture. She goes out mm-hmm. in the evening and lies at his feet, mm-hmm. and and covers with with. Mm-hmm. 
his his covering his because the, they slept in the fields because they're in harvest time, and so she would ask him if he would take his cover and cover her, mm-hmm. which was symbolic or, uh, of the idea. Would you? Could you cover? Would you be our kinsman redeemer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- and and he realizes he could be and can be yeah. and. So that brings us to the discussion of... There was a closer relationship, relation though. So um, he didn't have, he he wouldn't have been the first, the closest relative. Mm -hmm. So first he had to at least offer and propose that to the relative that was actually closer. uh, And that relative did not, didn't want her. And that was a formal, um, a legal procedure. Mm-hmm. They went to the to, to, to the, the gates. city gates and the, with the elders and mm-hmm. witnesses looking on. And if he wanted to redeem uh, Naomi's property, he was fine with that. He was fine with getting <laughs> he the property. The property, but he would have had to have also have brought Mary. Ruth into mm-hmm. his yes. his family inheritance and, and make her a, an heir. And he didn't want to do that. Right. And so uh, he said, well, you're next. You, you do you take it. it. Yeah. And, Boaz and Boaz says, said. okay, happy to. Well, that brings us to, and so, that's the, and so Boaz does. And so marries Ruth. And uh, and then they have, I mean, and, and yes, in all the sense of restoration, she's restored uh, in terms of family. She's restored with land and property, and she's restored in terms of any kind of um, of, a, of justice, and that that was the, the law. I mean, Deuteronomy and Leviticus had established that, and he did right by it. Um, but what were let's do talk about so with within that story, there were four um, considerations, four qualities of what it was to be a in, in my a kinsman a, redeemer. A kinsman That's redeemer what or a gal is. Am I? Is my yeah, the the, the he. The Hebrew word is uh, goel hadam. Goel hadam. And uh, it, it, it comes from the idea of ligol. It means to redeem. We've seen the theme of redeeming a number of times. Remember Hosea uh, has to go and redeem Gomer, his wife, mm-hmm. uh, once she kind of sells herself into prostitution mm-hmm. and slavery. He goes and redeems her and buys her back. Uh, there are a number of instances of of um, Rahab, I mean, it just I don't know if that's a, but she was brought <laughs> into the people of God and became, uh-huh. it, it, the, you know, the I think the Jewish Hebrew tradition is that she uh, married into the family of Joshua, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there but there are other other t- instances of this of this concept of the kinsman redeemer. We saw sometimes when it was not done. Remember, I remember one of the one of the sons of. Um, one of the sons of Jacob was supposed to was it Reuben who who was supposed to redeem um oh, it, but yeah. he wouldn't do it yeah. and, and and she tricked him into yes. doing it and had a child and, and then he Perez, he, and then he realized what you know oh you were right i should you know she's better than i she uh-huh. she i uh-huh. i was a, this was my duty my obligation and and uh so here we have this uh Boaz has the opportunity to give, bring Naomi and her family, give them a place back in the people of God, restore that, their inheritance to them, their land, and to bring them back to be a, a part of God's people. And so he, he does. He yeah. steps in 
and Ruth becomes his wife, and they redeem. Now, my question is still out there. Anyone who might want to give us a call, we'd love to see where this is in the New Testament, where this is mentioned or spoken of, because this becomes a beautiful symbol right here in the middle of the book of Judges in a a dark time, a symbol of God at work, even in the midst of difficult time, to bring about hope, to bring about joy, to to restore uh, the situation uh, through the kinsman redeemer. And Jesus, the Messiah, uh, is our kinsman redeemer in the spiritual sense of bringing us back, restoring us into the family of God, giving us a place in God's people. We have been orphaned. We Mm -hmm. have been isolated. We have been without hope. We have no property. We have nothing of ourselves. Yeah, we are, and he uh, and and so what were the four qualities though of a kinsman redeemer? They had to one, had to be kin, so had to be uh, of the same of, family. Yeah, mm-hmm. of the same family, of the same yeah, of the same race, <laughs> of the and same. That, and that's why it's so important that of people the uh, the whole idea that the the incarnate Son of God that God. Uh, right. In the beginning, uh, in the Gospel of John, in the beginning, uh, the, word the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that idea that, and it wasn't just kind of superficial when he came down. That's the whole picture. That's why I insist so often you have to understand that the role that Jesus of Nazareth had, the Messiah, had was to live a perfect life of faith and trust and submission to God the Father as a man. That's why it's so important that, that uh, um, why I make such a point of it, that, that, that Jesus had was just a, yeah. a little Jewish boy like every other. He wasn't, he wasn't wa- like Clark Kent walking around knowing that, you know, he's got, he can't be killed and he's, in, he's uh, invulnerable to bullets and so on. Jesus was a, a man, a, l- a little boy, a toddler, and then he was a, an eight-year-old, and he was an adolescent, and he had to. Wa- he understood who he was. He stepped into that role by faith, and and walked it out faithfully and consistently. That's why it's so important that his kinship with us be one that he indeed was fully and wholly yeah. a man. Well, and that's the mystery and the miracle and the just mind-blowing concept of the incarnation. Because not only did he have to be fully absolutely yes human and experience that but he also had to be well too willing so that's the other quality yeah. of a kinsman so one our kin uh, can had to be a kin two willing uh you know the other brother wasn't willing or the other relation in mm-hmm. the Ruth story wasn't but uh and that's important too mm-hmm. because uh, I, there's several instances in the jesus life when he he's talking to his disciples and he said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. That's right. That's I, right. Willingly. I, Father, let this cup pass from me. But it, nevertheless, mm-hmm. not my will, but your yeah. will. Otherwise, it wouldn't he, be justice. I yeah. mean, it would be uh-huh, coercion on, for mm-hmm. him. Uh, and then three, though, and this is the other, uh, this is the mind-blowing part of that incarnation. Fully human and fully, uh, but also fully God. <laughs> he had to be able to redeem and so in other, he had to be perfect and absolutely holy and worthy as a sacrifice. Yeah. He had to be so he's kin, holy. He, he's willing and like... like uh, he had the authority, Bo- like, like Boaz. Like Boaz here, 
He was willing. Uh, what was the second one you said? Uh, he had to be kin. He had he to be a kin, willing. And, and he, he was willing. Able. But then he had to find legally. Yeah. He wasn't the next in line. Mm-hmm. And so he had to be able in the position to do so. Yeah. Uh, and. In Jesus, in other words, he had the authority, the position, the rightful, the legal right, the legal to, right mm-hmm. to actually redeem, and in 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 Boaz's situation, he had the land, he had the property, he had the status, he had he was who was able to redeem. The other he one had, was 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 kin, and he was, but he was unwilling. But he was unwilling. But, he had the ability. Mm-hmm. The other one. Um, and then pay the price in full. You wouldn't be able to only, uh, you know, only get justice, but not actually marry Ruth, or only get the land and redeem the land, but not redeem the relationship. Yeah. You had to in full. Um, you had to pay the full price. Full you couldn't price. take out installments. You don't pay it on the installment <laughs> yes. plan. You had to pay the full price. full price. And we saw that with Jeremiah when he had to redeem that property mm-hmm. behind enemy lines. When other people had to, they. Pay the full price to redeem and restore. So those are the restore. four mm-hmm. um, qualities of a kinsman redeemer. And it's just as far as Jesus, so beautifully only he could <laughs> achieve that um, on our behalf. Um, yes. And it's really neat to see that. He he became kin. He became, the word became flesh. Mm-hmm. He became, uh, he shared our, Hebrews talks about this, that he was like us in every way, tempted in every way like us, yeah. through every, and, and yet without sin. And so. we'll talk, and then in Luke we see that so well, and so we'll segue to the temptations of Jesus in Luke and how yeah. that shows his. It's so interesting that these all come up together. Mm-hmm. You've got this dark period, the reality of the world at that time and the reality of our world. Mm-hmm. We are needy, we're impoverished, we, we're helpless, mm-hmm. hopeless to be reconciled to God of our own. Mm-hmm. But God has sent a kinsman redeemer who has come and purchased our our forgiveness and our cleansing and our restoration. He's willing, you know, he's kin, he's willing, he's able, and he paid the full price mm-hmm. for... The, I was interested in that there's a phrase in... in um, uh, Greek propitiation is a word that's used in the New Testament, paid in full, mm-hmm. and th- that he became the propitiation Jesus did, the payment in full for our for our redemption, for our mm-hmm. sin. And so he paid the penalty, and then through him now we become restored back into the people of God. And, that, and that's what we see happening in this beautiful story of friendship uh, with Ruth and Naomi, and then now... Uh, as they're restored back to their property and their land. Uh, and it's not only property and land, but uh, I, I think it's it's interesting. Uh, I think you brought this up in our conversations about, uh, and maybe it's because you're a little mommy again. You know, you're you're waiting on a, another child and um, a little daughter, a little baby girl is going to be born somewhere here in March. And we're ready. So maybe that's sensitized your mind to the idea that, being restored to to be productive, to be a part of the people of God, to bring Naomi and and uh, Ruth. Uh, Boaz takes Ruth under his protection, under his sponsor, um, as as his wife. They have a son mm-hmm. named Obed. Mm-hmm. Obed has a son named Jesse, mm-hmm. and and Jesse just happens to have seven sons, but the seventh son is named David, David who becomes the 
second king of Israel. And and the great, great king, uh, David and his son Solomon, the golden age of, of Israel, here in, in, that's why Bethlehem is called the city of David. And then eventually even through the descendants of, of David, <laughs> Jesus the Messiah is born. And and this little Moabite girl, Ruth, becomes a link in the lineage and the descendants that bring us to the Savior of the world. I mean, that. I mean, honestly, it's just such a beautiful story that it's uh, uh, it's it makes up for all the ugliness <laughs> of the yeah. book of Judges. Yeah. Well, have we done it? Have we told the story <laughs> that that is? Is there something else we might want to emphasize there? Uh, that we talk talked through the kinsman redeemer concept, how um, <laughs> Naomi is is restored, uh, her property, her place in the in God's people, and then even uh, in, in in this particular case, it becomes dramatized because they're in the lineage of the great King David and in the lineage of the Messiah. Uh, but uh, she becomes one of the what five women that are in the lineage? I think so. listed that, yeah, in in the right. Gospel of Luke. Yeah, that's right. By the way, um, but there was so there were the four qualities of what it was to be a kinsman redeemer, and then there were the three things that the kinsman redeemer specifically does redeem, and that is their um, redeems their position as a f- in a family. Mm-hmm. So p- redeems their land to sp- be redeemed. Land is the two, and then. Justice, you had said, and I just wanted to mm-hmm. kind of emphasize, re- remind of those. So, the in, in each of those cases, uh, Yeshua Hamashua, the, the the Messiah, right. fulfilled each of those roles in our lives as well. Right, and so you see satisfies it, the mm-hmm. justice of God on our behalf. Yeah, and and brings us back into, I mean, the kingdom of of God. When you think of mm-hmm. an inheritance, I mean, He's making a place for us we have a place um not only not only does he do that and we see his faithfulness just in our lives and the restoration here and now but in the eternal perspective i mean he we have a place he has made a dwelling for us we have land we have prop we have an inheritance in him we have a potential stacy that's kind of what i was trying to allude to while a while ago is that you know, we need to ponder that. Uh, you listening us to tonight, whether you're in a car or around across the city or in the garage, tooling around, or, you know, listening, uh, fixing to go to bed for the night and rest. As God's people, as a child of God, we need to ponder that potential that we represent now. We've restored into the family, the people of God, that a place of usefulness, a place of, of potential that... Remember, I talked. Uh, we began to talk about Samson and how yeah, well, I think unfulfilled the, potential. You know, yeah. Well, I think I think the beauty we've gone from potential to fulfillment. We're we're not yeah. actually we're we're no longer working towards something. It is completed. It yes. is done. And and by I, faith, we need to walk into okay. that and, and and realize that wherever right. we are, yeah. however humble our situation, whatever our talents and gifts. Place them at the feet of, 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 of God and, and know that God's got you there for a purpose. Yes. You are a man, a woman now, a young person. You are, you are a person of destiny in the kingdom of God. And he is going to accomplish such. He is accomplishing yes, great, are. wonderful things 
and by faith we walk into that experience. That, that's the real challenge for us uh, from the scriptures is to live out our own role now as part of the people of God, as, as having been redeemed by the Messiah himself. Well, there's our music. We've got to take a quick break and come back for our final segment. And we'll move on to our opening considerations now of the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Uh, And we'll come back to that and do that just after these few, uh, few announcements. So don't go away. The Bible Live will continue. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. We'd love to hear from you. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is the final segment of the Bible Live broadcast, and we are turning our attention now to the Messiah, to the our great kinsman redeemer. And uh, we're looking now at the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We read through the first eight chapters, first seven chapters. I guess we only got three verses into chapter eight. But uh, we come to now to the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Matthew, uh, presents Jesus as the uh, in his king, the Christ the king, and he presents two, particularly specifically Matthew is writing with a perspective toward the the uh, people of Israel that your king has arrived, your your Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, has arrived, and so he emphasizes the kingship uh, of the role of king. Uh, of the Jews in the Gospel of of Matthew, <clears throat> so he mentions a lot of the prophecies that were fulfilled in the Messiah, and so on. Then we come to the Gospel of Mark, who emphasizes who is writing a little bit in, in the in the in the role and the perspective of Peter, mm-hmm. he, he, the memories and, and 
of Peter, the perspective he had of the life of Jesus. And he emphasizes the ser- the servant role, the humility, the the how he walked through life, touching lives and, and benefiting lives and breaking up funerals <laughs> and, and raising people from the dead and restoring children to their parents and, uh, uh, you know, the beautiful gospel of Mark. Now we come to the third gospel, and it, it is, I, I think, isn't Luke the, the longer of the, the four gospels? I'm uh, I'm not sure there, but uh, maybe we can confirm that. But Luke is going to emphasize the humanity, the human aspect of Jesus. And uh, why might that be, Stacey? Why would Luke emphasize uh, what why gave him he, a special, yes. what gave him any special insight into the humanity? In you the first that. place, he's not a, he's not he's yeah. the only Gentile writer of That's a New gospel. Testament book, mm-hmm. except maybe oh. if Apollos wrote Hebrews. Okay. Uh, that could be, but we, Luke is clear. He's he's not Jewish himself. He's a Gentile writer. He, he's a convert, of course. He worships Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and responded here clearly to uh, the Messiah, the the Messiah of Israel, mm-hmm. and so he, um, and in that also, sense. But he's not Jewish himself. Yeah, and you could also call him Doctor Luke. Yes, and he's a now that's and that's your that's, that's maybe your that's that's the connection. He emphasizes the the humanity, uh, and yeah. he gives the most elaborate, complete, and, and he's one of the most gifted. He's a tremendous historian. Uh, Luke not he, Luke didn't write. Not only did he write the Gospel of Luke, we call the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the Book of Acts. And he's he's a he's a primo historian. Mm-hmm. He's very good at dates, times, his places, handwriting names. Wasn't great, but huh? His handwriting wasn't great, but he <laughs> yeah. wrote very yeah. right. It's all doctors. <laughs> yeah, just teasing. Uh, Evidently, he had a good handwriting. I would, I would somebody guess. could read it. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, so there we have the the author is Luke, um, a physician, mm-hmm. and he gives very detailed uh, presentation about the birth of Jesus. Uh, he, he's the one. I guess Luke chapter two is the Famous. the version of the birth of Jesus that is most often read. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about Mary and Mary's role and Mary's uh, response. Pondered, she saw all these things, witnessed all these things, and pondered them in her heart. He, he, he made was not just God camouflaged; right. that he was truly, genuinely a little Jewish boy. He grew up in that era, that time, and he understood from his mom and dad who he was, that he was indeed. They tell him the story of when uh, the, the angel Gabriel appeared to them and told them they were, and that Mary knows that she was pregnant without having relations with a man. I mean, they they knew who he was. The angel had clearly made it, God had made it clear to them. And they tell their son as he grows, four, five, six, seven, eight years of age, they begin to tell him about who he is. And he begins to internalize that Identity, you are that Redeemer. You are finally that Messiah that our people have been looking for for hundreds and hundreds of years. You are that Messiah, uh, and you were promised to us. And so he, Jesus has to internalize that. He he goes to synagogue, 
they tell they read the Hebrew scriptures and he sees all of the predictions about all the prophecies about the Messiah and it becomes clear to him that hey I'm born in Bethlehem I'm of the lineage of David I'm uh, all of these prophecies that he fulfilled in his life mm-hmm. and he begins to see it's true and so by the age of 12 we see that Jesus already has internalized and he now he has accepted that role mm-hmm. by faith. By faith. And then that faith is buttressed by confirmation. Yeah. It, the Holy Spirit does and is saturated with Scripture. And so it's, it's, it's by faith, and then it's affirmed and confirmed. And the yeah. more that he walks by that faith, the more that he yeah. comes into the understanding. He walks he out is. that perfect life of mm-hmm. faith, trust, submission, obedience to the Father, and and the Father continually, con- just like He does in our lives right, as, exactly. as God's children. Now, when you take a step of faith, when we step out and, and, and give an offering that that is God honoring, we feel like God has put it in our heart. When we uh, pray for someone that that God has put it in our mind and our heart, we go witness to someone, or we we do an act of kindness in the name of the Lord. Uh, we take those steps of faith and God confirms us mm-hmm. and we become stronger. Right. And so we we're able to do more and more. And then we see uh, Jesus living out that prophet process. He, he grew in grace and favor and knowledge with God and men. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to watch now the, the role of the Messiah and his role, at how important it was that he be fully and wholly and entirely a man because he had to be our kin. Right. He had to share themes of these books rolled together so, so very well. So what can we talk about uh, the Gospel of Luke? I've given a little background about the authorship uh, and and the emphasis, the, the perspective that Luke shares with us. Uh, you want to add anything to that, Stace? And if you have a thought, folks, about the Gospel of Luke, you'd like to give us a call, 210-340-9585. We'd love to hear from you. Or maybe you have some thoughts and responses to what we shared about about Ruth. We'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Don't hesitate to give us a call, but call early. Don't wait till that last minute because we'll, uh, we might have not, not have a chance to say what's on your heart and your mind. All right? 210-340-9585. What do you think, Stace? What else would you emphasize? I, I, I was thinking of uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. I'm interested in their experience as they give, they're called upon to give birth to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so that, that they have an interesting experience. <laughs> he loses his voice. You know, he's, yeah. he's in the temple, the father of John the Baptist. He, he's, he's on duty that, that weekend or for that time, that period. And uh, the angel Gabriel tells him, you're going to have a son. And, and, um, he says, "How can it be?" You know, and it, so he kind of, kind of throws, mm-hmm. casts a little shadow on it. He said, I, "It can't be true." And so he says, "Well, because you didn't believe me, you, you're going to lose your voice." And and so, uh, so they, when they do tell John and their, their children, say, mm-hmm. when they're telling them their destiny, because they must have told John the Baptist the same thing. You know, you are a miracle child. We were older. We, and you're going to prepare the way for the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, and and they know who it is because Elizabeth goes to a visit, uh, her cousin Mary, Mary uh-huh. and the child leaps within her womb, mm-hmm. at the with proximity to Mary who carries mm-hmm. the Messiah, 
John leaps in the womb, which, which I don't know, this is all kind of mystical to me, but <laughs> you would know about that in your um, state today. But anyway, honey, I keep going on and on. You, give me some of your thoughts here as you look at these opening chapters. Sure. Well, in the opening, I, I guess back to kind of the humanity. I mean, we see, yes, Luke and how he emphasizes the lineage and of Jesus. I think his is the most thorough. And then... Uh, yeah, he goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, not uh-huh. just to David. Right. As he, it, Matthew that. went back to just David, to, David. to his, the king of the... Mm-hmm. Now, here's, he's identified with all of humanity, mm-hmm. and he goes all the way, traces his lineage back to Adam and Eve even, yeah. And, uh, and Luke tells, I mean, just the thorough story, yes, about his cousin and... Um, and then, and then I don't know if we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I'm back to the, the, the temptation, um, the temptation yeah. of Jesus and following, following his baptism, yes. following his baptism, Satan, uh, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted. And again, kind of, because this gets into the incarnation, he is, it's such, it is just, again, so mind blowing. He is absolutely completely fully human he is also absolutely completely fully god um has the authority has the but he put off his his he he put off his godship i don't know how to he didn't um, cease being he, god but he he, right, he he left off the free exercise of yeah, it. I, i've learned to say, say this so much better years. yeah you say it so well he left off voluntarily left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives yep. as god and he he humbled himself as paul says in right. philippians chapter 2 he came under he voluntarily walked under the 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 authority the the empowerment of God, the Father, and the Spirit. He didn't act of his own divine prerogative. You know, I could, You know, he says at one time, "Don't you know I could call ten thousand angels?" Right. He well, had that ability. He's yeah. he's he could do that, but he sends on the Father to guide his life and to guide him through to carry out faithfully and successfully the role of the Messiah and to act Amazing. to do only his Father's will, will. only what his Father and. Uh, which which he I mean he he raises a boy from the dead he heals he does so all sorts of miracles I mean so he clearly has this authority and that's the neat thing about the temptation is that he and you always say that if he had done what say he wouldn't have ceased to be God he only would have ceased to have been our kinsman mm-hmm. he would have just ceased to be a eligible sacrifice for us. A re- yeah. Uh, would you say they had to be replacement. Our kin, they had to be willing and they had to be able. Mm-hmm. And he would have been he disabled. Would've, he would have been disqualified from being our, our kin, kin and redeemer because, if mm-hmm. if he had right. done something of his own prerogative and initiative as God. Right. And so it's just a neat way to mm-hmm. see that I think Luke would have recognized Jesus wasn't fake. He was doing it all along, the whole, all bit of it, not just the crucifixion, but just li- life and going through temptation always was just for us. There was nothing in it. For, it wasn't as if he was going to lose his position as God. No. If he's God, he's God. Lose. You can't, he's not going to be not be God anymore. <laughs> yeah. But he would have lost us. That was what say, Satan mm-hmm. was trying to do here. And and I, I want to encourage our listeners, if if you... 
if you kind of doubt this, if you kind of never thought about that, uh, because this is this is it's one of those passages of scriptures that that a lot of times we struggle with. I remember even as a kid, you'd go to Sunday school and they'd say, the teacher would ask, well, okay, here we have this experience that Jesus goes to the wilderness and Satan tempts him to turn the stone into bread or jump off of the mm-hmm. corner of the temple down into the court of the Gentiles or he takes him to a mountain and says, I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you just bow down and worship me. So the, we have these, Jesus is supposedly being tempted and and. So we're sitting there in the room, and, and your Sunday school teacher says, now, now you've read the temptation. Could Jesus have sinned? We go, well, well, well okay. no, of course not. He, he's God. He couldn't sin. Well, well, in that case, it wasn't it a real a temptation, temptation, right? If, if he couldn't have. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course he, you know, he could have sinned. Well, then he well, couldn't be God then, right? Uh, and that's the whole point is that this was not a temptation to sin, mm-hmm. this was uh, the t- the essence of this temptation was to see to, to leave. Don't, yeah. don't care about the humans. Yeah, <laughs> to to, it, it was to gain. It was to in other words, Satan was saying, "Look, you know, in order to to be this Messiah, this Redeemer, you're going to have to endure great hardship and difficulty and and, and self denial. You're going to have to you're going to have to walk humbly. You depend on." It was a fight for us. The, uh, it was a you, fight for us. Yeah, you're want. going to have to live by faith, and I'm I'm offering you a, a shortcut mm-hmm. to faith. You know, all you got to do is yeah, just turn that stone into bread. You know, you you can do it. You, you you're hungry. You've been fasting forty days. You you can do this. You have the power, the authority. Just just do it. Or in other words, a shortcut to faith, and, and that's what Jesus responds. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Mm-hmm. So he's he sees the temptation mm-hmm. that that it's not about just the bread; it's about living under the lordship, under the the kingship of God. And then the, the other, he even quotes scripture. Satan does. You jump up your toe. The angel will come down and protect you, and and. and God, and Jesus sees through it again. You know, you should not tempt the, the your God. And so he, he understands his role is to d- depend on the Father. In other words, the thing that he was tempting him there was, you know, here Jesus has to present himself to the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people, and convince them that he's the Son of God, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so instead of doing it as God would do, with, with the Father was leading him to be a servant, to serve people, to love people, to faithfully live it out. Satan was appealing to the spectacular. Mm-hmm. Oh, just jump off this building and everybody right. will see it, and they'll all go, "Oh, you're the Messiah," and you'll be. And, so, and we get tempted by the by the spectacular mm-hmm. at times. You know, if I can just preach this great sermon, if I could just have this huge audience, if I could just, and, and maybe that's not the role that God has for us to do. And so, you know, we get these same temptations we know about. And so Jesus can entrust and follow the path that God the Father has for him, but to, in, in some way, uh, act of his own initiative and right. prerogative. Right. And, and, and um, it just makes his life as a human just so much more, I think that willingness uh, mm-hmm. aspect of the kinsman redeemer is what astounds me so much that he would, he would go, I mean, it just brings home how hard that must have been <laughs> and that he did it and he did it willingly and he did it solely because he wants us 
He wants you. He 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 wants us in his family. He wants us as a part of and that's that's sweet. That's just a you and know he, did it, he loves Stacey. us. He, he lo- did it. That's pretty crazy. He successfully <laughs> did it. Yeah. I, I I gain hope from that. The yeah. fact that I know of course all of us as human beings we know how hard that is. Yeah. You know, I'm told now that I'm a child of God. I'm, mm-hmm. My sins are forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm going to heaven. And, and I have the power of God at my disposal. Work. The Holy Spirit is working in me, with me, through me. And mm-hmm. and you can do all things through Christ. And, you know, we we get pumped up at times. But then, then if, to live that out yeah. with all of the potential and all of the... Did it, and he's at work within me yeah. to teach me and guide me and enable me to do it as well. And that's that's a promise we all have. Amen goes there. <laughs> All right. Well, what else can we mention, though? It didn't end at the the, uh, the temptations and the success he had there. He calls Peter, and then, uh, let's see, he, which I think is always fun, is Peter, uh, I'll make you a fisher of men. I just mm-hmm. love Peter, and I love yeah, the call of Peter. Yeah. Peter had uh, brought him along. There was, there's, there's a little point of history here that's kind of interesting, because we say that Luke is a, 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 prime, a primo historian, he says in chapter 3 that the the 15th year of the emperor Tiberius, we, uh, there were two high priests. And that is, a lot for a lot of years, that was a very difficult, that was put in doubt. The scriptures were put in oh, doubt because interesting. Were, we never had two high priests. Right. There was never two high priests, only one. Okay. And, and yet, we go back historically, I we check right. the context. Uh, Tiberius... Uh, um, Annas was the high priest, mm-hmm. the Levitical high priest, but Rome had appointed his son-in-law Caiaphas to be the high priest, so that they were they both mm-hmm. were recognized, and they both they had a dual high priesthood in Israel at that time. And so, Luke proves yeah, himself accurate go, one Luke. more time. It's it's a it's a wonderful little detail yeah. in in his uh, presentation. What else can we look at here? Uh, John the Baptist had trouble. He uh, the reason is because it resulted in his beheading. Is he condemned Herod's incest? Herod married his brother Philip's wife, which was considered to be incest and sinful and wrong. And the, and he brought it up publicly and 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 said that was wrong. And so that was why he was uh, resented by uh, Herod and of course Herodias, his, his wife, and led to his own beheading very courageous this this last prophet in the old testament sense was was uh yeah. John the Baptist yeah. and the and the, he was of course the herald the forerunner of the messiah anything else we want to make note of before we're just about done down to our last minutes here so we went through Luke. Uh, it is the longest of the gospels and so we might even be in it this week and the next but um yeah, that's one of my favorite I, from a physician. I mean, it doesn't get more interesting as somebody that's emphasizing the humanity of Jesus. And to me, it's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful book to read. Stay with us. Listen with us this week. Yep. Go to thebiblelive.com and uh, starting tomorrow, starting tonight at midnight, you can find all the passages right there. We'll see you next Bible Sunday evening. Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. This on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 